It's an honor to be back with you guys and uh, looking forward to when I see you face to face. And, but uh, man, we're uh, approaching in just a matter of days, the beginning of July. So half of the year, half of 2020 is gone already. And there's been some brutal times this year, isn't it? I mean, it's been tough for a lot of us. And, and I was thinking about in preparing this message, just thinking about how you're doing, you know, what, how are you doing really? And I just think about over the period of months, I remember um, when Kobe Bryant died and it had a, a global impact. People were reacting, especially in the U.S., but, but all over. And, and then just, uh, then it started with uh, COVID-19 and then we had, went, went to protests and riots and masks and media and, you know, spiking and just like crazy stuff that's going on here. And um, I don't know about you, maybe uh, sometimes I've prayed for direction. I wonder how many people listening to me right now have prayed for direction, but you aren't so sure about what you're hearing. You know that feeling that when you text somebody, like you text a question and you see those little bubbles like floating there, and you're like, all right, and then the bubbles go away. And you're like, what happened? That was a good question. Where'd you go? <laughs> Sometimes for me, praying, you know, I'm asking God, give me direction and, and speak to me, and I get direction from his word, but we want to hear in our soul from God. And it feels like everybody right now, maybe it's just the power of social media that people have, everybody has strong opinions about everything, experts on what's going on. And you know what? I don't have answers to all the troubles we're facing in the world, but I want to say something. I want to teach something that's going to be useful, that's going to touch you in your heart. So that's what I was praying. God, help me. Help me to say something and to teach something that's going to honor you, that's going to help people. And um, I remember a long time ago here, a friend of mine, we were talking about signs that we see, uh, street signs or directional signs that are kind of useless. I remember we were, one was uh, when you're driving along and this is a dense fog area, that, that highway sign. You think, well, what good is that? Because if you can read it, there's no fog. <laughs> and when there's fog, you can't read it. So it's one of those things that's like, well, that's a sign, but not so helpful. And uh, I don't see it too, many, too much anymore, but there used to be a sign on stores, the door, where it would say, no dogs allowed. And then right next to it in parentheses is that, except seeing eye dogs. So who is that for? Who is that? Who's going to read that? It's surely not the dog. I don't know. They're not that talented. But, but anyway, here's what I believe God wanted me to say to you today. And here's the message. It's time to recalibrate. I want to challenge you to recalibrate your focus, recalibrate your faith, recalibrate what's going on in your soul. You know, I looked up the definition of recalibrate. I mean, most of us know what that means, but I kind of liked how they wrote it out. It said a system gradually drifts off course so that the navigator periodically needs a fresh point of reference to recalibrate the navigation system. So 
a system that we have going on in our life has a tendency to go off course. And, and as the navigator, as the leader of our life, we're saying, God, help. We need to recalibrate our navigation system. What are we going to do? Where are we going from here? And here's, here's what I think. Recalibrating leads to celebrating. So maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're going through some struggles. Maybe you have friends that are sick. Maybe there's a, you have financial problems. It's time to recalibrate. Recalibrating leads to celebrating. And you know, I'll tell you, in, in 2020, it's like every week, if not every day, there's something new. And, um, you know, it's like you have good weeks or you have a good day. The next day, it's highs and lows every day. Right now, I'm praying for the healing of every NBA player. I want to see him be healthy and play. God, intervene. <laughs> but each day can change our sense of well-being and hope. So we have a good day, we have a good moment, we have a good situation, a couple days in a row that seem consistent, but then ups and downs come. And, and let me just tell you, I trust God. I want to challenge you to at least know that. You know, uh, I don't always feel like I have great faith. I don't f feel it always, but I tell you at the bottom of my soul, I trust God. Maybe you should just put in the comment section right now, I trust God. Make sure that you know and you declare it. Make sure your friends know, I'm trusting God. I'm still trusting God. You know, things have been hard, but I haven't lost my faith. I haven't lost my trust. That's it. I don't always know how things are going to work out or sort out, but I have my trust in God. You see, our human limitations should drive us to our God who is unlimited. Our human limitations to drive us to our God who is unlimited. That's good. That's another one to put in the, in the chat there. Earlier this year, I did a message, and we took a look at an iceberg. And it showed the picture with the above water view and below the water. And icebergs, like 10% of it is above the water. 90% of the, ice, the iceberg is under the surface. And I think sometimes that's how we look at circumstances. We look at what's on the outside, that 10%. And this is a message to encourage you and myself. I'm talking to myself today too, to look under the surface at that 90%. We can't always change the circumstances of what's going on in our world, but we can recalibrate what's on the inside of us. Now, Jesus taught his followers to... Uh, look at their heart and their motivations. He often would ask people questions so that they would be thinking, like, why do I believe? Well, how am I going to respond? And why do you ask that? But he, he taught his followers to look below the surface in a, a message he did called the parable of the sower. And the story that he tells is four scenarios. It says uh, a sower, a person goes out to sow seed. To, um, to grow the, a crop. And he said, some seeds fall on uh, the side and then the birds come and eat it up and it's gone. And some fall in, in a soil where it's kind of a, a rocky uh, condition below the surface. So it starts to grow, but the roots can't get very deep. And so 
it, it's, when it gets hotter, the weather changes and it, it dies. And then there was another one where they, he threw seed out and, and it said it was in a thorny area. So the thorns would grow up and the weeds would just crush it out. And then the fourth one was good soil and that bore fruit. 30, 60, and 100 fold was the fruit. And so then, you know, the disciples come to him and say, okay, that was a great story, but we don't know what that meant. And so tell us what that means. And so I want to just read to you from Mark chapter 4. You're going to have the scripture up there on the screen, I believe. And, and I'm just going to read what Jesus said to the disciples, to his followers, about what that story meant. And so in verse 14, it says, The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. That's what the birds came and took the seed away. Then he says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, immediately receive it with joy. But since they have no deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems, it says. As soon as they have problems or they're persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And lastly, verse 20, the seed that fell in good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. I went with a group of people from Oasis last year to Israel. And, and uh, as we walked along, we were in Nazareth, very small town. And, and as we walked along this, this uh, hilly area, the guide was talking and he was pointing out different terrains. And he talked about this, this parable and saw the footpath. And, and it was very interesting to see it just come alive there. But the, the seed that we're talking about is the truth. The seed that we're talking about is the word of God, the voice of God to our soul. And the first scenario, I mean, it just gets stolen by the enemy. You know, it sounds good to us, but the enemy just steals it. We don't, we don't hold on to it. We don't protect it, and it's gone. But look at the next couple of situations, the one where it says there are rocks in the soil. It was a rocky ground, and so they said they had no deep roots, and when problems or trouble came. I wonder if some of you here are discouraged, really discouraged, Maybe you're fearful for your health. Uh, maybe you know someone who passed away of the coronavirus. There's a lot of things to be concerned and worried about. And it says that if our, our roots don't go deep, what is it in life that's hindering you in the soil of your soul from letting the word go deep inside of us? So that while there's trouble, while you might be low on money or uh, missing all your friends, that still you have that conviction, I trust God. Right. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what's going to happen next week, but here's what I do know next week. I'll be trusting God next week, just like I'm trusting God this week, right now. I'm trusting Him. And the third scenario 
was the thorns that choke out the life. And he talked about the thorns being a desire for stuff, materialist, materialistic goals and desires. It says the lure of wealth. So we got two scenarios. One, people have problems and it steals the word. And others, it looks like they don't have problems. They got money, they got fame, they got it going on. But then they find out that has taken the place of my trust in God. You know, I'm telling you, I don't think that we're created to handle fame. Even preachers, when they get famous, they got to deal with making sure that that's not the thing, but the relationship with God is the thing. I've seen enough people pursuing fame in the entertainment industry after pastoring here for 35 years, but I also see people striving to get recognition in ministry, striving to be recognized, and I think, wow, it's so similar, and that's not the thing. The thing is that relationship with God, our, our heart for him. And we talked about last week how it's not about the stuff that we can do or we accomplish, but it's about knowing him and finding our value in him. And so I want to just talk to you about some couple of brief suggestions, ideas on how to recalibrate. You know, my, my message is recalibrating our heart recalibrating our heart. And so the first thing I would say to you is search your heart for triggers and hot spots. What is it that sets you off? What's the topic? Or maybe it's not even a verbal conversation, but it's a feeling, a scenario. You get too close to people. You start feeling vulnerable. You start feeling that you're, it's risky. And so you start shutting down. You start thinking about, oh, this can't be good. It feels good. Every time it feels good, it goes bad. You know, you got, you got this whole scenario in your soul. In Psalm 139, the psalmist prays this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Man, that's a serious prayer. Search my heart, O oh God. Search my heart and then and show me. It's like, see where I'm anxious. What makes me anxious? Point out to me. Lord, don't point out to everybody else. Point out to me that thing that offends you and lead me along the path. And you know what? I'm telling you, this prayer and this pursuit is not a one-time problem to solve but an ongoing tension that we have to manage for life. It's an ongoing pursuit of searching in our, for triggers, hot, hot, those hot spots in our life. If you really looked, if God would allow you to look and see, what do you think you'd find? What are you willing to find? You think you'd find Seeds of envy, uh, comparison, discouragement. Would dishonor be something that you would discover in your soul? Biases. And I know we talk about racism and prejudices and, 
And truthfully, I believe every human being has a bias in, in their heart, in their mind. But we, we want to learn. It's an ongoing uh, revelation and saying, Holy Spirit, show me where I might be biased about these kind of people or this kind of circumstance so that I'm just not judging. You know, if envy is in your soul, I'm pretty sure that comparison is, is something that continues to go on in your soul, that we're, we have to surrender to God. And we go back to trust and we say, well, I see what you're doing in their life or I see what's happening there, but I trust you with my life. I trust you with the path that you've put me on. What about dishonor? Are you able to see where we have dishonoring feelings about people, where we have dishonoring feelings about leaders or, or people in authority. I remember somebody told me once, treat people like they are a gatekeeper in your life. Treat every person like they are someone who could open a door that we could never open without their help. The thing is, we, don't, we, we assess people by how we view them, a, a quick impression, and we don't consider them as somebody who could possibly be a gatekeeper, maybe somebody who's sending along our way so that we can help them, they could help us, but it's just a matter of honoring people. We want to ask God, show me if I have a bias, a prejudice about different ethnicities, different skin colors, and my prejudice against blacks or whites or brown people, what is it? For years at Oasis, we've had a diverse church, and we've talked about racism, um, just like I am today in the middle of a message which is not really about racism, or we're teaching on the topic. But I've said for 30 years, I've challenged people, don't ask the question, am I prejudiced? Ask, how prejudiced am I? Or ask, how am I prejudiced? Not if. We want to have the Holy Spirit checking our soul. We want to search our heart for those things that we can control or manage, that we can deal with. That's the part of the soil. The second thought I have for you today is process the emotions that tend to reoccur in your life. What is the thing that comes up often? Is it fear? Is it lust? Is it uh, insecurities? In, in this story, it was uh, materialistic things that came up in one part of the ground. It was, it was um, their weak faith and problems cause us to implode. What are the emotions? Is there anger in your soul? Is there unforgiveness? We want to look at that because this is so important. Now, let me just tell you about one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. One of the greatest leaders in the Bible is Moses. And Moses had a pattern of anger in his life. And we read about when Moses was younger and he saw Egyptians uh, treating Hebrews wrong and unfairly beating them, he killed, he, his anger blew up and he killed these Egyptians and then buried them so that nobody would know. 
And so way back then, there was this default to anger. And we, we go on later in the story and we see many times Moses gets frustrated with God's people. He gets angry. And when he, um, oh yeah, in, in um, Exodus 32, he went up, got the Ten Commandments from God, comes down, and the people have gotten bored and they're worshiping idols. So in Exodus 32, 19, it says, And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. If God's hand came out of the sky and wrote on tablets, I did not think I'd be throwing it around. I mean, I think I'd be holding on with my dear life you know, and not wanting to let anything break. But Moses' anger, and he's like, forget this, bam. So we go further in his life. And maybe some of you know about this story, but there's many times in the wilderness where they needed a miracle of provision, sometimes food, sometimes water. And there was one scenario where God told uh, Moses and Aaron, he said, take your staff, hit the rock, and water will come out, and there'll be enough for the people. So he, he took the staff, hit the rock, water came out. So later in, in uh, another scenario, and this time God tells them to speak to the rock. But Moses was so angry, he disobeyed God. He didn't listen to what God said. So look at this in Numbers chapter 20. And what God says, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community and as the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. And you will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people together, and they gathered at the rock. And look at his greeting to the church service. Listen, you rebels. <laughs> Did you notice Pastor Julian didn't greet you like that? He's like, hello, everybody. But Moses is like, listen, rebels, welcome to church. He shouted, must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff. And here's what happened. The water gushed out and the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. And verse 12 this is a sad verse. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you, you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. That is one sad story. Because he decided, I'm, I'm not going to uh, speak to the rock. I'm going to hit it. He hit it twice. And... Um, this is um, a heartbreaking situation because God did a miracle. And, you know, it's interesting how God blessed the people in spite of Moses. God blessed the people not to endorse what Moses did. He blessed the people because he loved the people. And sometimes you and I as leaders, God blesses us, but that doesn't mean that there isn't anything that we need to work on in our heart. Because we have broken places in our soul. And what's in our heart can greatly impact our destiny. 
We've all got broken places that need healing. We have places in our soul that need recalibrating. We've experienced battles and failures and painful setbacks, but we have to not allow any of those thorns to be there that would choke out the life of God. In Psalm 147.3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. We invite God, oh, come and heal my soul. In Psalm 51.10, the psalmist writes, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Recalibrate my spirit so that I have a good heart, a good soul, that I'm thinking clearly so we don't fall into patterns that destroy us that we're able to recognize temptation and we just don't fall for it every time. And the last thing, the third thing I'm going to say to you today is um, so we're um, inviting God, we're searching our heart, we're, we're asking God to um, show us where these emotional triggers are in our life. And the last one is to begin to recalibrate your soul. We want to get to a place by the Holy Spirit guiding us and doing a work in us where we are beginning to respond to circumstances rather than react. And if you'll notice in the media, that's what everybody is modeling for us is how to react. React, say something inflammatory because someone else said inflammatory, blame somebody, and it just gets all emotional. But how what we're looking for is leadership that can respond to a crisis, to respond to an injustice, respond to the needs of humanity. And that takes work in our soul. Work that we can't do ourselves, but we can allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. Look at what I found in Ephesians chapter 4. I know it's been there for years, but it just jumped out at me again this, this week when I was reading it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And look at this, verse 23. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That's recalculate. Renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on a new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is telling us recalibrate your soul, your mind. Begin to change how you think, how you react. Take a breath. If you're getting discouraged, don't give in to the discouragement, but declare, I trust God. I remember uh, Pastor Julian saying a couple weeks back, not just declaring the problems, but prophesying the answers, you know, and, and speaking those things that bring courage. I'll tell you something interesting if you're feeling discouraged right now. I want you to recalibrate your soul because our perceived failures, quote unquote, can be the catalyst for a profound recalculating toward our destiny. When we're saying, well, when are we going to get back to normal? We don't want to go back to normal. We want to discover a new normal. And what if those things that brought us the most pain or the most disappointment was that catalyst that allowed us to recalculate where we're headed and the destiny that God has for us? What do you need to do? Encourage yourself. Forgive. 
Cleanse your heart. Pursue that healing in your soul. Healing in your soul from brokenheartedness doesn't mean that the pain never existed. It just means that the damage no longer controls your life. Think about the parable of the sower. What is choking out the fruit in our life? And I'll tell you, my last thought here before I close in prayer is busyness has kept us running for so long. And now we've had about 90 plus days of shutdown. So we've been forced to not hurry. I wonder if this is one of the things that we can do is just eliminating hurry. Because hurry blinds us from people and moments around us that matter. Hurry blinds us from opportunities. And it distracts us from the pain that's just below the surface. The things that we need to clear up. I want to remind you that a successful life is more about who you are and who you become than it is what you accomplish and what you achieve. So I want to pray for you as we recalculate our soul together. All right? Because I want to do the same. God, I thank you for uh, your Holy Spirit who brings healing, who brings renewal. And so, Lord, we ask you to search our heart. And we ask you, Lord, to, to work in our soul and bring freedom, bring healing. And, Lord, we just are determined to renew the spirit of our minds so that we are allowing the Word of God to have that fruit in our lives. So no matter what's going on around us, in our soul, we are saying, I trust God. 